Another way we can relieve stress is to get exercise. Now, this doesn't always have to look like running or doing interval training or anything like that, especially when, I'm, you know, when we're talking about with our families. It can be fun activities that we do together. Yeah. So one of the things that we do pretty regularly is we have dance parties. And I don't, I don't know that there is a workout that I do that is more strenuous than these dance parties. I mean, <laughs> you've, you've, seen, you've seen the moves that I bust. Yeah. The moves that I bust are, are pretty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to take a video sometime, share it for everybody. Okay. That's pretty, it's pretty wild. Well, you know, let's, uh, let's do it right. And we'll, we'll call it the Tolson dance party workout for families. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll sell it. It's gonna, it's gonna get a PG 13 rating though. So I don't know. <laughs> Some of those dance moves. Oh my gosh. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Ben. What's going on? Uh, a lot of things. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm doing well. <laughs> How are you, Ben? Oh, I'm doing great. How was your morning with only three children instead of six? You know, I... You should tell the story about the grocery store the other day. Wait, what was the story? When you Remind took the me. boys to the grocery store and some guy was like, I don't know how you do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I had three with me when I went to the grocery store because... The, well, the three other ones just stayed home because they're old enough now that they don't get into too much trouble while somebody's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were, you were home and you were working on stuff. Yeah. So you were here in case of an emergency, but anyways, so I'm walking out of the grocery store with two, two shopping carts. Oh, you used I, to? Yeah. Cause I, I have the twins that it's a double shopping cart mm-hmm. here in Texas. We use a, uh, it's, it's like a double seated shopping cart. So both kids can sit. Yeah, I usually let one of the twins walk. Yeah, I I didn't want to. (laughs) I just didn't want to. So, so the twins are sitting in that you know kid seating area, and then I've got the baby in the the car seat, and I prop the car seat in the basket. Mm -hmm. So there's no way I can put groceries in that. So I'm pushing that one, and then I'm pulling the other one behind me that has a week's worth of groceries in it. Oh my gosh! So it was, yeah, it was a little bit intense. So. Anyways, I'm walking out and I get to the car and this guy passes me and he's got one kid in his shopping cart. And he said something like, man, I thought I I had it hard with just one. Yeah. I've got it easy. And, uh, and I looked at him and said, no, I've got it easy. These are good kids. I mean, it could be worse. I could have six. (laughs) And he laughed. (laughs) But in my, in my head, I knew that I actually do have six. Yeah. Yes. It was a, it was just a little joke for myself. We don't, we don't go to the store with six though. Robert Guzzo in the chat says, Ben, you need an ergo. Is that some kind of. I don't know what an ergo is. Is that like a baby Bjorn? I don't know. Kind of thing. That, see, that wouldn't work for me. I I don't want to wear the baby on me. It's a baby sling. Yeah. We have, we have a Bjorn. 
I usually carry the baby in that. Yeah, it's it just gets awkward. Plus, I'm a dude, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually have no, I don't, I don't have you've any worn qualms. It. Yeah, yeah, you've worn it. You, no, you used to wear the twins all the time because it, there were two of them. Yeah, it's so. really, it's really just about the logistics of pushing a cart and having the baby because you're not supposed to wear the baby on the back. Yeah, not with the Bjorn anyway. Maybe right. there's maybe there's another thing that lets you. But we you. do have a backpack thing. Yeah. I I don't think he's old enough to sit in that though. Yeah. So these are these are problems of parents who have a lot of kids. Yeah. So anyways, it's I always uh say this, but people look at how many kids we have and and they'll say stuff like, "Oh, I can't, I can't imagine how you do that." I you know, I couldn't and it really is true that you just adjust to your reality. So mm-hmm. whether you have one kid or 10 kids, um, 10 kids could be more difficult logistically, you know, just needing to work things out, but you adjust to that reality. And so I, I find it difficult. I find it hard to say that one is more difficult than the other because it's, it all has to do with your experience. You pour yourself into your kid, you know, and yeah. And that's really what makes being a parent challenging. And so in light of that, today's topic is avoiding burnout from day-to-day family life. And this, is, this topic is focused specifically on family life, although many of the things that we're going to talk about can also apply to people without kids because no matter who you are, no matter what your circumstances are, you can be in danger of experiencing burnout. And so i I want to I want to make sure that folks who don't have kids know that they're included in this discussion. Because mm-hmm. we've been we've been there before too, just as a newly married couple feeling burned out. And you know, we kind of look back at ourselves every once in a while and we're like, why were we so you know, yeah. what what made us think that life was so hard back then? It was so easy. But and and that's something we, you know, say about ourselves. I would never say that to somebody else. But at the same time, I I remember the feeling of just being overwhelmed with day to day life, with our circumstances, even before we had kids. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't have to cook dinner every single night. <laughs> who said Who said that? You? Yeah, I said that. You still don't have to cook dinner. Every yeah, I know. Night. You usually do it. I failed on the mashed potatoes last oh night. Oh my gosh, they were so gross. It was like well, oh, I, one of the I kids. I said, "No, no, no." I I said, "This is more like grits than mashed potatoes." Mm-hmm. And our six-year-old said, "It looks like Asher spit up," mm-hmm. <laughs> and that ruined it for me. Yeah, I couldn't eat another bite of them. I don't know what went. Well, I I think I just it was it was a terrible mess. I'm not going to explain it all. Yeah, I usually am a rock star with the mashed potatoes, but this time I just blew it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was bad. All right. So what does burnout look like? What does it look like for you? Well, I feel like there's a different burnout between my work and the parenting. And I think for for parenting, it looks like not practicing as much patience as I need to have with our children or having these ex- exceedingly high expectations that they can't that I know they can't meet. And it also looks like not really taking time to teach, but just where I'm just correcting 
Yeah. I'm not teaching a better behavior. And it looks like me wanting to just go to bed and read and not really hang out with them because I'm just so tired of the demands and, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. You kind of seek an escape. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, I'm, I'm very much an introvert. And so having a household of children and the amount of noise that is produced in our household is really hard for me sometimes. I mean, I get to that dinner hour. I've probably said this before, but I get to that dinner hour and I'm just, it's almost like I want to hold up a sign that says, cannot compute. Nobody talk to me. No more words. It's got enough words for today. (laughs) It's got to be jarring too, because most of the time you're coming from an environment where it's completely quiet. You, you can focus on the one thing that you're doing and then suddenly being put into an environment where there are several people talking at the same time and there are loud noises. Yeah. And it feels like you're just being pulled, even between the two of us during dinner, pulled in a million different directions at once. So Yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying to talk at once. It's just, it's an overwhelming thing. And whenever I'm experiencing burnout, I have much less ability to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe we need to have some kind of like a, you know, like, with divers, they have a decompression chamber or something. Yeah, you need to have a recompression <laughs> between your. <laughs> oh man! So that so that you can get used to that new environment before you're. Yeah. So so when I think about burnout, I think about being stressed mm-hmm. and and all of the things that go with that. You know, it because it it not only affects you emotionally and mentally, but it also can affect you physically. It's it's you you've you felt that tension and that stress before. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that sometimes that just is a part of life. It comes and go goes, but sometimes that stress when we're truly in burnout just feels like it's lingering and it's, and it's not getting better. It's not going away. Like it's never going to go away. I also uh, think of this experience I had when I was a kid where I would get home from school and we lived in an apartment building and in the office, the office manager would keep these nice warm cookies, <laughs> like chocolate chip cookies and macadamia nuts and white chocolate, you know, like delicious cookies. And it was for the kids when they got out of school. Well, the thing is, our bus was one of the last ones to to get to the apartments. And so there may be one or two cookies still left for grabs by the time we got there. And a a friend of mine would suddenly become my enemy when we got home because we would try to be the first one to get there. And so I remember you had to run up a hill in -hmm. order to get to the the office. And I, and I've got my backpack on, this is in the the middle of uh, like late fall. And so I've got all of my heavy clothes on to keep me warm. And there's this feeling of running up the hill and my backpack is holding me back and these clothes are making it difficult to run. And I'm just trying to go as fast as I can. <laughs> I'm putting so much effort into it and it just feels like I'm crawling. Mm-hmm. Where the, the, For the amount of effort that I'm putting into it, if I was on a high school track, I would be in an all-out sprint. And here I am just crawling up the hill. And then my friend grabs me from behind and pulls me down and I tumble all the way down the hill. Wait, is that a true story? Yeah, that actually happened. What a jerk. 
Yeah, he was. I mean, he was my he was my friend except for those moments. Except for when he wanted a cookie. That's right. Or four. <laughs> so, anyways, so that's that, what burnout feels like for you, though, is when you're yeah, it's, it's you're running uphill, but you're getting nowhere. Right. Yeah, you're spinning your wheels. It can also feel like a loss of purpose. Mm-hmm. And and that's similar to what I just described, but it just it feels like the things that you're doing on a day to day basis aren't serving a purpose. They're not really getting you anywhere. And then I also think about the feeling of things just falling apart. And and we experience that sometimes. It's it's a very physical reality looking around the house, feeling like, wow, you know, the the house is just becoming a mess and we're not keeping up with things and and that can that can feel like burnout as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it can actually be very disheartening, especially before or after a trip where we're supposed to go relax. Oh, coming yeah. coming back to the house and just feeling like now we gotta play catch up. Yeah, and unpacking and all of that. So maybe maybe resting as a family is not really going on a trip right now. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> So I want to I want to talk about some things that we can do to avoid burnout. And that's not to say that you're never going to be in situations or circumstances that can cause you to feel that that feeling of being burnt out, but but what I want to focus on is is practices, things that we can start to incorporate into our lives that makes those less frequent and also helps us work through our burnout much faster so that we can get back to feeling like we're on top of life. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the first and most important things is just to let things go. There's certain things. Well, okay. So I'll say this, even for a single person who doesn't have any children, there are more than enough things to do to keep yourself busy and still feel like you can't do it all. That's just the way life is. You, you could make yourself so busy. You could make so many things important and vital and, and have your list of these are all of the things that have to happen mm-hmm. regardless of your circumstances and put yourself in a position where you feel constantly overwhelmed because you cannot get to all of those things. And so even the person who doesn't have any children has to let go of some things, has to say, okay, these are things that I just can't get to, and that's okay. And for some people, that's easy. I I tend to have an easier time just letting things go. Yeah. Whereas you, I think, have a more difficult time. Yeah, and I don't know if it's part personality or if it's, it's part of the problem that we have with, um, there's this societal issue too. I don't want to go too deeply into it, but there's a lot expected of women in the workforce and as parents. And, you know, we live in this Pinterest world where everything is perfect and mm. moms take beautiful home decorated cookies to their kids' classroom and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we're expected to keep up with our house and keep up with our children and keep up with our job and be good at all of that stuff. And it's just, it's not possible for one person. And if we can allow ourselves the freedom to say, you know what, it is not my, it's not my strong point to keep a clean house and that's okay. 
because a, a happy family doesn't have to live in a clean house. I mean, of course, there are some, you know, there's some some issues with sanit sanitation and stuff. We, like we should we shouldn't just leave food out on the counter or whatever. <laughs> Where, no, where kids can get, uh, yeah, well, within reason. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I just, I feel like if, if we're trying to do everything and we're trying to do everything well, we're going to be living our lives with a constant state in a constant state of burnout. Yeah. And it's hard to step away from that pressure. It's hard to, to be the one to say, you know what, I can't do it all. I just recently wrote a column about how you know, in parenting, we give up a lot of things. And one of the things we've given up is on having a pretty yard because it's just not possible. Boys like to dig. And every time we want to maintain the yard, something comes up that is more important. Like, you know, yeah, twin shenanigans. Twin sh all the time. And so I feel like all we're doing if we're trying to maintain perfection is locking ourselves in chains and we're we're only going to reach burnout faster if we keep expecting ourselves to do all of these things well yeah so there's there are a couple of ways that we can approach those things on our list of things that we feel like have to be done it may be it may be that you can actually have somebody else do them and and sometimes that requires lowering your expectations for how that's going to look. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it means that you're going to be spending money and, and, and that's also okay. You know, if, if we were in a position to do so, or I should say when we're in a position mm -hmm. to do so, I would probably rather pay to have somebody take care of the yard, even if I had the time to do it, because I can use that time for better things. Yeah. I mean, I would rather be playing in the, a, a game of kickball in the cul-de-sac than stressing over how our yard looks. Yeah. So, so you can have somebody else do it. Um, or, and, and, and you should absolutely do this. Look through your list and eliminate the things that really just aren't absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. And that can be difficult to do. It's, but you have to be really objective with yourself and say, okay, I'm, Am I wanting this to get done because it really needs to get done? Or am I wanting it to get done because it's an expectation that I have? Mm -hmm. And part of what goes along with all of this is just getting rid of unnecessary things in general. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about items on your schedule, but I'm even talking about physical things in your house. Mm -hmm. Something that we've been doing since since earlier this year is going from room to room well it's since the summer i think is when we started yeah we've been going from room to room and we've been trying to remove all of the things that are not necessary or that don't serve some purpose for us or bring joy is basically what we do yeah so what was, I, what was the book that oh uh, the life-changing magic of tidying up the life-changing magic of tidying up. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it's it's kind of extreme, especially for parents. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm actually writing a parody, not not about her book, but just called The Life-Changing Madness of Tidying Up It for Children. Yeah. So, but I was going to ask you, in case people are like, well, I can't really give up anything on my list because it's all necessary. What's an example of something that is, you know, iffy? Like you could you could give this up and you wouldn't, totally die. Okay. So 
For example, when I was growing up, my parents made me clean my bathroom once a week. Mm -hmm. And some people, because of how they were raised, because of the expectations they had on, on them growing up, believe, oh, okay, that, that's something that has, has to happen once a week. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can really get away with once every other week. Some things you can even get away with once a month. Some things you have to get away with once every other month. Yeah. I mean, it just, it depends on what it is, but, but you have to look, you have to look at it objectively and say, okay, why is, is it really necessary for me to be doing this as, as often as I am, if at all? So that's, that's one example. Can you think of another? Um, I mean, the yard is obviously one for us. Um, I, I used to, when I was in college, I lived with four other girls and uh, I'm sorry, three other, other girls. And I was typically the one who kept the place clean because I'm just kind of manic about that, about cleanliness and all of that. But then, you know, we had, uh, I did pretty well until we had about three children and then I just felt so overwhelmed. I had to let that go. I had to let, I had to let it go that we were probably going to have more dust on our shelves than I wanted to have Yeah. Um, because there were more important things for me to do. You know, I was raising these amazing young men and I mean, I still am. And there just wasn't always time to get to the dust. And so that's something that I've had to let go. I'm okay with a tidy house now. It doesn't have to be completely clean. Yeah. So that's definitely something I've given up. So the next the next thing that we can do to avoid burnout is to make stress relieving activities part of our schedules and routines. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you have to do on purpose and it's not something that a lot of people do. A lot of times when we think of stress relieving activities, we think of, you know, taking a break from working and playing on Facebook or laying down in bed and and winding down watching a movie or reading a book. And while those things aren't necessarily bad, it's the randomness that causes them to not be as effective. And so, Mm -hmm. So what I really like to focus on is making it purposeful, making it a part of your schedule, making it a part of your daily routine. And there's some really healthy ones that I like a lot that that are some of the most effective ways to deal with stress. Sometimes the burnout that you experience comes from stress that's built up that you just haven't dealt with. Mm-hmm. And And there are a lot of different ways out there to avoid stress but but sometimes inevitably just the the stresses build up and so you've got to have an outlet for those things so that it doesn't overtake you and so one of the one of the things that we can do is spend time outside being being out in nature there was a comment uh i asked the question in the chat earlier i said what are some of the ways that you avoid burnout and charla wrote and she said, getting to the beach helps. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go to the beach. Yeah. I'm not a big beach person, but we're pretty far away from the beach. Yeah. I'd rather go to the mountains or the woods secluded from everybody. <laughs> I see. I want to go to, I want to go to a beach that has mountains and woods like right behind it. Okay. Yeah. That would probably be okay. I want all the things. Mm-hmm. 
The beach is nice, though, because you've got the sound of the waves. Yeah. I think the reason that I don't like beaches as much is because the only time I've ever gone is like dead summer here in Texas. Yeah. So it's. And you can only stand on the beach for like 15 minutes before you start to die. Well, the point is you got to get in the water, (laughs) Rachel. I don't like swimming in beach water. I had a bad experience when I was a kid. I almost drowned at a beach. Oh, okay. So. So whatever, whatever that looks like, whatever outdoor environment helps you to, to feel more calm, but that's, that's a great way to relieve stress, scientifically proven. Another way we can relieve stress is to get exercise. Now, this doesn't always have to look like running or doing interval training or anything like that, especially when, I'm, you know, when we're talking about with our families. It can be fun activities that we do together. Yeah. So one of the things that we do pretty regularly is we have dance parties. And I don't, I don't know that there is a workout that I do that is more strenuous than these dance parties. I mean, <laughs> you've, you've, seen, you've seen the moves that I bust. Yeah. The moves that I bust are, are pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to take a video sometime, share it for everybody. Okay. That's pretty, it's pretty wild. Well, you know, let's, uh, let's do it right. And we'll, we'll call it the Tolson dance party workout for families. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll sell it. <laughs> the The first, uh, it's going to get a PG-13 rating, though, so I don't know. <laughs> Some of those dance moves. Oh, my gosh. The first course coming up. That's right. Another, <laughs> another thing we can do is meditate. I want to do, do an episode about meditating as a family and, mm-hmm. and some things that you can do to help children especially begin to take on that practice. Yeah, there's some great resources out there for that kind of thing. But doing, doing that personally and, and doing it together as a family, because it's not, you know, what I'm focusing this conversation a little bit on the parents' experience, but the children also experience burnout. They experience that with us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they experience that when everything seems just fine for us. And so it's good to be able to recognize that in ourselves. It's also good to be able to recognize that in our children. Mm-hmm. Our children are increasingly leading lives that are filled with stress. There's way more homework for our young children than there used to be. Oh, yeah. Our kindergartner has homework right now. It's crazy. He's five. I, didn't e- I don't even think I had homework until I was in junior high. And I feel like I'm pretty smart. <laughs> doesn't make you smarter to do homework. Homework doesn't make you smarter. Nope. It only makes parents and children fight. Okay, can I quote you on that? Mm-hmm. So meditating together is a great way to relieve some stress. And, and all of this is part of the next thing, which is just spending quality time together. Mm-hmm. When we're spending time together and we're, we're building those relationships, we feel less alone. We feel like people understand us. They understand the things that we're going through, what we're thinking and feeling. And, and being known and understood and, and feeling like you're a part of a family that you're connected with people relieves a lot of stress mm-hmm. because a lot, a lot of that stress comes under the guise of you're dealing with this on your own. And I would just add that it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time if you're using the time well. 
Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're sitting down to a three hour movie, that might not be quite as effective as sitting down for 15 minutes of Jenga or something like that. Because, you know, you're sharing this experience. I mean, a movie is also a shared experience and it can be helpful and you can generate discussions and things like that. But playing a game like Jenga, you know, everyone laughs when the the thing falls, the tower falls, and everyone's hoping the same thing, that they're not going to be the one to make it fall. And so it's just, it's a shared experience that feels a little richer and you yeah. can also have conversation around the table. So one of the things that we try to do is, is think outside the box when it comes to spending time together. So we've, we've gone on nature walks, uh, things like that, even though we don't live in a place that really has a lot of nature, there's a green belt behind our house and we just call that nature. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's quality time. They're learning things if they want, if they feel like they want to, you know, and I don't know. I, I, we've we've done family runs together, which is really special because a lot of our boys enjoy running and it tires them out. They sleep better. They do sleep better. <laughs> kids kids who exercise regularly sleep better. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning of this episode, I was talking about how everybody, regardless of the circumstances that they're in, is capable of experiencing this burnout, is capable of feeling the stress of life. And I use that because I don't, I never want to look at somebody else, uh, somebody else's circumstances, how many children they have or, or what kind of job they have or anything like that. I never want to look at somebody else and feel discontent with my own life. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, I feel like I can flip that around and use it to my advantage when I look at people who really from the, from the outside seem to have circumstances that are worse than my own. And so where one helps me to protect my, my own satisfaction, my own contentment, the other helps me to feel more gratitude Mm -hmm. for my circumstances. And so so I'm going against my own advice here by saying sometimes looking at the lives of other people, even though you don't really know what's going on, looking at the lives of other people, comparing their circumstances, their their negative circumstances to your positive circumstances can help you gain some perspective and feel like, you know, I'm I'm all stressed out over this, but really like I've I've got it really good. You know, and this is this is not to guilt you into trying to feel better about stuff, but it's just a way that you can use that perspective to give you a different picture of what you're currently going through and experiencing. Okay, well, I think this works for people like you. I don't know that it works for people like me. Okay. Because so, I'm, a, I'm a very anxious person. Yeah. And so, so to think, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to break out of that worst case scenario kind of mindset. Yeah. So thinking of other people's, you know, worst situations or whatever, that only makes it more fearful for me because what if we have to go through that? Mm, I see. That's how, that's how an anxious brain works. <laughs> so, so if you're, if you're an anxious person, ignore everything I just yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're uh if you're prone to idealism, you can listen to what Ben said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love your idealism. Yeah, it's a good balance. 
All right. So another thing we can do to avoid burnout is we can realign the the activities that we're doing on a day-to-day basis with our goals and our purpose. So what happens sometimes is we get so focused on those day-to-day things, our routine, that we forget, we kind of lose that connection between the purpose for which we started those activities and the activities themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes important for us to take a step back and say, okay, why am I, why are we doing this again? You know, and, and you might find in doing that, that the original purpose for which you started doing that is no longer true or it's no longer doing that's in that sentence. You want to provide an example? Yeah. That might make it a little clearer. So one of the things that, that we do during the school year is we make our own lunches. We don't, we don't do like store-bought lunches or anything or school lunches. Mm -hmm. And I have to make bread every night Mm -hmm. in order to keep up with the bread demand. We also, we make homemade bread in a bread maker Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't take very much time really. It's just a little bit of prep and then it runs. And during the school year, it's necessary for me to do that every day to, to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. And then during the summer, when things are a little bit more relaxed, I don't have to do as much of that. There's, there are other things that we do for lunches because the boys are home and we don't have to worry about it being portable. Sometimes we are, we're able to just feed them leftovers because we can warm them up. And I might get so focused on making bread every day. Like that's, that's the one thing it's like, I got to make bread every day, every day. I got to make bread. The reason I was doing it was because during the school year, it made everything else more convenient. It was, it was part of a series of things that had to happen in order to make the school day run smoothly. Mm-hmm. But absent of the school day, I can change that up. I mean, there are several things that I can change up. But if I'm so focused on that single activity and making sure it gets done, I can forget the original purpose. And so we do this when, when summer's coming up or when a break is coming up we take a look at our routines and we say, okay, what's going to stay and what's going to go, you know, what's still going to be necessary Mm -hmm. and what can we ease up on? Mm -hmm. And that really helps a lot because otherwise we just tend to stay stuck in these routines doing things that maybe we don't really need to be doing. Yeah. And that puts more pressure on us and more stress and all of those things. Yeah. Now it may be that an activity is something that you need to continue doing, but you've, but you've gotten so focused on it that you've forgotten the the purpose. And so that backing up and just remembering, oh yeah, okay, so that's why we do that mm-hmm. is, is a great way to help. Now there are some things that like homework, for mm-hmm. example, that are activities that you wouldn't personally choose to have as a part of your daily experience, but they're kind of imposed on you. Yeah. And and there could be any number of examples for this, but the attitude that I try to have with those things is if it's something that I have to do, what value can those things bring to my life? You know, what what is some hidden value in there that I'm getting out of doing this, even though I wouldn't choose to do it? There's absolutely no value to homework. I disagree. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, it allows you to have a little bit of time with your child, I suppose. 
Yeah. It, it can. It also can teach your children that they are capable of doing hard things. It causes you to have to trust them and it causes them to de- have to develop the responsibility. You know, there's, there's a lot of teamwork that goes into making sure the homework gets done and is put in the folder and put in the backpack, you know, all of those things. Yeah. But it's, it's also something that over time becomes more and more their responsibility. And so it can serve a number of functions. Now, I wouldn't use homework as the very best vehicle for accomplishing mm-hmm. building those values. They can build this through play. B- right. But because those things have to be a part of their lives right now, I would rather focus on the value that those activities are providing mm-hmm. than how much I dislike them. And that shift in attitude helps me to avoid feeling burnout over those things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you do need to remove them. Maybe it's something that you need to confront and change or just remove from your life altogether. And, and that's something that we forget sometimes is when we feel dissatisfied with something that it's possible that it could be something you could change. Mm-hmm. I think about in the workplace, you know, when we're, we're doing something, some system that somebody has set up for managing clients or doing paperwork or something like that. And it's just such a drag because it's so inefficient and you know that it could be done a better way. Well, speak up about that and let somebody know, say, Hey, I know we've been doing it this way for a long time, but here's a better way. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's a way that's going to make things more efficient. And if you're in an environment where that kind of thinking outside the box and fresh ideas is not welcome, maybe you just need to get out of that environment. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done, but it's also not impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, this is a fun one for me. Another thing we can do to avoid burnout, call an audible. This is a, what? Surprise call and audible. What is that? Okay, so in football, oh my Rachel, gosh. Just, Rachel just tuned out. Yeah, I did. Blah, 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 blah is what everybody hears. Okay, so they, <laughs> so they have the plays, right? They're going to, they're, they know what they're going to do. And then the quarterback is there. They're about to start the play and he looks around and he realizes, you know, another play would be better. And so he calls an audible. Hmm. He he does some kind of signal that lets his teammates know, hey, I know we said we were going to do this, but now we're going to do this instead. Hmm. So anyways, that's what an audible is. Okay. Sorry, I don't mean to alienate sports fans, so I apologize. No, it's really funny. In the, in the Sean West community, people often re- refer to anything related to sports as sports ball. Hmm. What is, what is sports ball? It's any sport. Oh, okay. Sports ball. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, in, in our use of the word audible, what I'm talking about is doing something that's surprising or unexpected, like showing up and taking the kids out of school for a day Yeah. or, you know, get, getting them up in the morning and, and saying, okay, you guys get dressed. We're going to the museum today instead mm-hmm. of you going to school, you know, something like that. But it's just a, a break in routine. Mm-hmm. And, and I find 
the kids almost always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've already set themselves up emotionally for the expectation that today is going to be like any other day. And then all of a sudden this fun and surprising thing is happening and it can be very rejuvenating. Even, even if you pre-planned that experience, it, it wasn't something that surprised you. You get to experience that surprise through your kids. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's a great way to break out of your normal routine. And this isn't something that you should do, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, it's just a great way to break yourself out of the routine so that you can appreciate the routine when you're back in it. Yeah, our kids never get perfect attendance. I remember feeling so proud of perfect attendance whenever I was a kid. But but then I think about, you know, sometimes we keep them home from school and they get to hang out with us instead. And we're really cool people. So it's a much better day. Yes. <laughs> So this is probably one of the most important ones, and I save this for last, for avoiding burnout, and that's resting on purpose. Mm-hmm. This is very similar to the making stress-relieving activities a part of your schedule and routine in the sense that this is something that you want to do on purpose. This is something that you want to schedule, make time for, instead of just hoping that, oh, one of these days I'll find time to rest. More and more we're finding that rest is not only important to our personal health, but it helps us to be more efficient in our work. It helps us to be better together as a family. It helps us to be more focused on making sure that we're getting the daily tasks done at home. And so rest really does play a role in all of those things and should be seen as equally important. It's not, it's not an escape. It's not some reward that we get for good behavior. It's really a vital piece. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think about with, with our children, this is going to be a little bit difficult to explain, but there's this thing that can happen, this cycle that can happen with infants where if they're not on a routine for eating, something, something where it's somewhat consistent. I'm not saying it has to be at this time, every time, you know, there, there are different ways of approaching it, but there's this thing that can happen with infants where if they begin to believe that the next feeding might not come because there's such an erratic schedule going on, they're not sure when they're going to eat. They, they start to develop this anxiety and it doesn't matter once they begin to develop that anxiety, it doesn't matter how often or how frequently they eat, they, they start to feel that even, even when they're being fed regularly. And so it's, it's this strange psychological phenomenon and, and they can cycle into it and it takes some work. You have to get on a really consistent schedule to cycle out of it. But the same kind of thing happens with rest. And I'm not talking about sleep. I'm talking about having time that's not focused on work and productivity and getting things done. The same thing happens with our kids and rest. They can develop this anxiety that rest is not going to come. And so they seek it out in unhealthy ways. And you might recognize this in yourself as an adult as well. 
we have we have this tendency when we're not getting the rest that we need to seek it out in ways that are unhealthy. Like what? Like Facebook hmm. or Netflix. Okay. What are some things for you? Um, I don't know. Do have you, you noticed any unhealthy ones? I mean, you read a lot. I do read a lot, but it's not to escape. It's because I just really enjoy reading. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think reading is as unhealthy. Okay. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to look at it like that either. But, but when it's, when it's not purposeful, it tends to be things that are just quick fixes that just put a bandaid on it. Mm -hmm. And so, so we, we need to avoid that. It's not, it's not just making sure that we're getting enough rest, but it's also getting rid of that anxiety that rest might not come. Mm -hmm. So how do you get rid of that anxiety? You got to schedule it. You got to put it on your calendar. Yeah. And I would say, I would say schedule it in daily increments and in weekly increments. Mm -hmm. I'm not great about the daily ones, but I do have a practice with my work where I take a week off. Uh, we, every, we are, every seven we are getting weeks. to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're getting to that. that, that Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, that's okay. So, so while, that's, while that's great, I also want to say that it's important that we make rest a part of our daily experience as well. Because if we have this tendency to seek out rest through things that aren't very healthy, if we know, oh, we're probably going to waste at least 15 minutes today playing around on the internet or doing something, why don't you schedule that 15 minutes mm -hmm. or schedule 30 minutes somewhere in your day where you have it set aside to do something that is restful and restful can still be some kind of activity, but it's an activity that doesn't have constraints. It doesn't have expectations on it. It doesn't have a due date. It doesn't have, it, it doesn't have the same kind of pressure that regular normal day-to-day -day activity does, or it could just be something as simple as sitting and and thinking about things. Mm -hmm. But schedule that time rather than allowing that need for rest to dictate how you spend your time throughout the day. And you should do this on a weekly basis as well. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend an entire day, but you should have some time that you can take during a day, maybe three or four hours, where you just allow yourself to rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know if it'll have any value for this particular thing that we're talking about, but um, I, I've found that a lot of times whenever I'm stressed, I tend to not work as well. And so I don't know if that's a, a symptom of not resting enough or if it's more based on just, you know, being stressed. Yeah. Well, so so whatever you want to call it, it could actually be stress, stress that's built up, that's keeping you from being as efficient as you should be. Yeah. It could be the fact that you haven't gotten enough rest. Yeah. Because like we've said, when you, when you get enough rest, you're able to be more efficient with your work. And, and really what I think that comes down to is your focus. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just going to say one of the things that I try to do and I didn't do it this week, which is probably why work felt really hard for me this week 
is at the beginning of the week, I try to do what's called an info dump where I just dump everything that's in my brain, all the things that need to be done, all the, you know, projects that I have on my plate. I just dump it all on a document Yeah. and say, oh, there it is. Now it doesn't have to take up valuable mental space. So I didn't do that this week. And I feel like I, um, I, I felt a little more, more stressed. There were more things on my mind. And when you're a creative person, it's really difficult to create good things when your mind just feels really heavy. I don't know if that's like a, a rest practice, but I feel like it's probably a good practice. And I, you know, because I didn't do it this week, I can totally see the difference between last week and this week. I think it can be. So So one of the things I wanted to say here is that we need to redefine rest. So when we think of rest, we often think of just, you know, sitting somewhere and not doing anything. But rest can be anything so long as at the end of that period, you feel energized, you feel rejuvenated, you you have a greater sense of clarity and focus. And so if doing a brain dump gives that to you, then it is a restful activity. A lot of times rest can be some change in routine. You, you could have these normal things that you do throughout your day, but then you get to this scheduled time of rest and that's when you get to work. You, you're still working. That's when you get to work on this project that you don't ever get to work on during your regular work time. And for me, it could be something like making music. So I do a lot of design work. When in my scheduled rest time, I get to sit down and write a song and work on some music. And even, mm -hmm. though, even though that's work, that energizes me. And then I get back to my regular work stuff and I feel like I have more focus. Yeah. So rest for me, uh, typically on my, are, are we at the point where I talk, I can talk about a Sabbath week or are you, do you still have a place for that? Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring this in. This was something that Robert Gusso posted in the chat. can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. It was so great though. And it was so applicable to today's topic that I wanted to bring it in. Okay. So he titled it, this was in the chat. He titled it battling burnout. And he said, hey, community, my wife and I don't usually take small-scale sabbaticals for our business. Um, and, and let me back up here. So small-scale sabbaticals is an idea that Sean McCabe for the Sean West Network, which is what we're on, uses for himself, for his employees, where every seventh week, the entire network takes the week off. And for his, for his employees, they're, they're all still paid during that week, but they have the entire week off. No shows go out, no blogs or newsletters. There are no live shows, no blogs or newsletters go out. And he implemented that because he realized the amount of focus and clarity it gave him during the working times. Mm -hmm. And, and this is something he and I talked about a, a lot early on when he was still developing this idea. And it's something that I've since really wanted to make a part of our family life. So I'll continue uh, Robert's comment here. He says, but by a strange coincidence, we found ourselves taking our first one, our first sabbatical at the same time as the Sean West team last week. And by coincidence, I mean that my wife, uh, Stacia, Stacia, 
Stacia, was dealing with legitimate burnout. Looking back, the signs were clear, yet for the last 12 months, we had not taken a break of more than one or two days at a stretch. Here's her post on the topic. If you're getting close to burnout, I hope this helps you take a step back and make some space to recharge. When we are immersed in the go, 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 go mindset, we can't imagine even one thing falling off of our plates. What we don't realize is that the entire plate has the potential to shatter if we don't take some of the weight off. Here's the amazing thing. We have had more creative and energizing ideas in this post-sabbatical week than we've had for months. We are strongly considering incorporating small-scale sabbaticals into our work schedules. Is there anyone out there who takes time away from work, even if it's for three or four days? How often do you schedule it? Do you try to do it every seven weeks, like Sean, or do you schedule it less frequently? And so I love this post because it really highlighted what I feel is one of the most important aspects of avoiding burnout, which is taking this, what, what many would see as unconventional approach to taking time off. Mm-hmm. So now, now you can, I know you've been wanting to share. Well, no, so. no, no, I, I, okay. Um, I, I do it every seven weeks, Robert. And, um, it doesn't coincide with the Sean West show. So, um, I do actually do the podcast on the week that I'm usually taking a Sabbath, but everything else is, uh, so I'm a writer and when I take a Sabbath week, I don't do any writing there. There's only one writing that I do and that's my morning writing, which is just sort of like an info dump. It's like this random putting everything down that's in my head so that I can meet the day better. Um, but I don't do any other writing. A lot of times I will work on learning about writing or learning a new genre of writing or just learning something new, like something related to business or parenting, anything like that. But this this most recent Sabbath that I took, it uh, coincided with the last week of summer for our kids. And so I decided that I was going to... So Ben and I break up our day straight down the middle. So um, we're really working from like five in the morning until five in the evening, but we kind of tag team it mm-hmm. um, and uh, around noon. And so I spent the time that I would normally spend working, which is probably about five and a half hours. Um, I spent it learning some new things, but then I, I scheduled out a whole hour where I took each one of our children by himself and just hung out with them. And we did puzzles. The oldest one wanted to draw pictures and have me write a story around those pictures, sort of like a a picture book kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess I cheated. I was writing there, but it was because my son wanted me to. And then, you know, we just we just hung out and talked and I was able to open conversations about how they felt about starting this new school year. And it was just such a special time. And I, I would I mean, we're trying to incorporate this as a family and see what it looks like to take a whole week to just hang out. Uh, That's hard when your kids are in school, obviously, because you can't just excuse them from school for a whole week. But in the summertime, I feel like we can take advantage of some of the, and and my Sabbaths, I set them up to coincide with a lot of the holidays that happen with our school. So when they have two weeks off at Christmas, I take two weeks off at Christmas too. So 
And I will say, too, this is a disclaimer. I am not the main breadwinner in our family. And so maybe this is easier for me because I don't have to worry about lost wages when I take a week off. So I don't know, you know, from the perspective of the main breadwinner, I'm sure that there's so much more pressure on that sort of thing. I can only say this from what I've observed because I have yet to put it into practice, which is something I'm going to be doing very soon. And by very soon, I mean, whenever you take your next, next sabbatical week, I plan on taking mine. Oh, okay. So what I've observed is that the amount of clarity and focus you achieve after you've had, and the amount of creativity that you achieve after you've had a sabbatical more than offsets the cost of any lost wages from that time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm banking on, what I'm putting my faith in, is that when I take that week, that sabbatical week, and, and allow myself to rest during that time, that in the weeks following, that investment that I've made into myself, into my own well-being, is going to pay back the time that I lost and, and even exceed that. Mm -hmm. And, and again, this is what I've observed. I've seen it happen for person after person. We just read a comment from somebody here in the community, Robert, who said that he has found that to be true. Mm -hmm. And so it's getting more and more difficult for me to say, oh, that's, that's not from, you know, that's not something I can do because I've got to focus on working. Maybe, well, uh, and what I will say that I believe today is that I can't afford not to do it. Mm -hmm. I can no longer afford not to take that rest time. In our family relationships, maybe that, maybe that week off is more stressful in other ways because you're trying to be more lax with the children uh, Simon in the chat said, we don't have breaks with kids. And and it's true. Yeah. I mean, what does the Sabbath look like as a family? You know, especially when you have young children who can't do much for themselves. Well, and, and you have kids in school. So, so yes, there are some responsibilities that you're going to continue to have. But, but one of the, one of the ways that we are purposeful about resting together as a family is, mm -hmm. is being a little bit more relaxed with some of the day to day requirements that we have of the kids because it's uh, believe it or not especially right now it's easier for us just to do things ourselves mm -hmm. than it is to have the kids do their chores so I mean, it kind of does give us a rest when we're like hey no after dinner yeah, chores this week everybody take the <laughs> night off and and getting the kids into that rhythm too is really great and when they see that it's something that you're doing together as a family and so so I, I come back to this. When you spend that time together and when you're connected, you're during the times when you are on a regular schedule, because of that connection, your kids want to listen to you. They want to follow your instructions. They want to do the things that you're asking them to do. And it's still it still may be a little bit of a battle from time to time. But the deeper that connection is, the stronger that relationship is, the more compliant they'll want to be naturally. And so that, that's a huge payoff. So there are a lot of great reasons to implement the 
small scale sabbatical, which is taking a week off every seventh week. Yep. And you know, it's, it's scary. Some people are listening to this thinking there's no way. And it may just be something that you have to try out in faith mm-hmm. and experience for yourself. I've, I've got the benefit of seeing so many people around me that it's been working for that. Now i I feel like I, I'm doing myself a disservice if I don't try it, but I just, I really want to encourage you to try that. Yeah. Another thing that makes it fun is, uh, one of the things that I'm going to start doing once I schedule this small, uh, small scale sabbatical is I'm going to make a list of the things that I want to do during that. And this is, this isn't to make myself busy, but these are the things that I would normally allow to be a distraction to the work that I'm doing. So it, it is things like writing songs or working on some piece of artwork for myself. And, and sometimes when I feel resistance in my work, when, when things get difficult or I'm doing things that I don't enjoy as much, Mm -hmm. I will escape to these other activities. And so if I have them written down and I know, okay, I'm not going to get to that right now, but during the sabbatical, I actually have scheduled time where I'm free to work on those things without feeling guilty. Then I'm more likely to stay focused on what I'm supposed to be focused on because I know that I'll be able to get to those other things. And so that makes it kind of fun, just making that list. And that's something you can do together as a family too. You can say, okay, on the next sabbatical, what are some things that we're going to do? Because we'll have the freedom to do it because we're not going to be doing our normal schedule, whatever it is. Yeah. So anyways, that's... uh we went really long. Yeah, we did. That's quite a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about burnout. Um, I was just going to say also that I I really do feel like family burnout is also a thing. And I think it's when we're, you know, when we're trying so hard and kids are just hard. They really are. Yeah. And there are a lot of times that, you know, I just want to walk out of the house and just be like, fend for yourself, pour your own milk, tie your own shoes. But we don't have the luxury of doing that because we're awesome parents. (laughs) And by awesome, I mean, we stick around. And so I think just providing ourselves the space to have that rest from the children too. So another portion of resting also includes taking time away from your children. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we, um, that we institute some kind of time where we can be away from our children. Well, and, and it's not just on a periodic basis. You know, this is something that we have built into our daily schedules too, where there's a time when we're only accessible for emergencies. Mm-hmm. And and they they understand that expectation. They're not great at upholding it. <laughs> we're working on it. Yeah. But but what we're and and we don't we don't want them to think or believe that we don't want them to be around us. Mm -hmm. But what we want to help them understand is that there is value for them. There's a benefit to them when we get some time to ourselves away from them. Mm -hmm. And, 
And so we protect that, not just for ourselves, but also for their benefit. And, and that's something that we've instituted daily. It's, it's, uh, it's really the last hour to hour and a half at night before, before we go to bed is that time that we've set aside for ourselves and then time that we've carved out in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, one of, one of the things that we try to do is every quarter, every three months we take a whole weekend, sometimes an extended weekend mm-hmm. to ourselves and we send the kids away to the grandparents. Oh my gosh. And we look forward to that so much. Like right now our anniversary is in October and I'm so looking forward to that weekend. <laughs> Me too. Uh, it's, it, it really, sometimes that, I, I don't want to say this and sound like, and, and it'd be taken the wrong way because we love our kids dearly. Oh yeah. But sometimes it does become this light at the end of the tunnel. You well, know it's I mean? just, it's just a lot of work day after day. I mean, yeah. When, when you're in a profession that you really love, you know, like what writing is for me, that doesn't feel like work. But when I'm cooking dinner or, fix, you know, chopping carrots for their lunch or whatever, that's not exactly what I love doing. So it feels like work. Yeah. And so, you know, there are a lot, there are a million touches like that every single day. Man, I hate as, chopping carrots. As much as... <laughs> As much as I enjoy hanging out with my children, I love when we get to read stories together. That's like my favorite time ever, you know? Yeah. I could do that forever. If that's all they needed to do, I'd be like, you can be around me all the time. You know what I, so. you, you know what I also hate is getting everybody to brush their teeth. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just because, the little things. Well, the, and, and it's not, one, I have to remember whose toothbrush is whose. That stresses me out so much. Because I can't, I just, for whatever reason, I could, I, I can remember so many things. Yeah, but, but you but can't whose remember toothbrush whose toothbrush is whose, I cannot remember. <laughs> it's hard and, to find that many colors too. And I, and I never have <laughs> gone out of my, I sh, I need to go out of my way to make it easier for me to identify whose is whose. But you then I've got to find, then I have to find a, to, a toothpaste tube that isn't completely empty. Yeah, because they ate it. Why do they eat the, It's so gross. And then I have to put the toothpaste on each one of the toothbrushes and set them up and keep the younger ones away from the older ones toothbrushes so they don't mess the whole thing up. Yeah. And then when they're when they're done, half of them they just do toss this thing their where they, toothbrushes. They just throw it. Yeah. Sometimes it lands on the toilet. Never would I have imagined <laughs> grow you know, growing up, imagining, you know, what life was going to be like with kids, that the tooth brushing the teeth would be such a stressful activity. <laughs> Oh, man. Yep. Rachel. Yes. Where can people go to find us online? Intheboatwithben.com. That's right. Go to intheboatwithben.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. We send out a newsletter every week with a recap of the episode, some of the highlights, so that you can just check those out at a glance if you need to, if you don't have time to listen to the episode. And we also... As In the Boat with Ben grows, as we begin to do new things, we're eventually going to start a blog. We're eventually going to be releasing some books and releasing courses around specific things. We're going to be having webinars. This this is going to grow. We're just Mm -hmm. just now starting. 
this is going to grow. And the newsletter is a great place to keep up with all that is going to be going on within the boat with Ben. So go to in the boat with Ben.com sign up. You can also listen to our episodes there. If you want to find Rachel, she's at racheltolson.com. And she is also on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. And I am on Twitter at Ben Tolson. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. See you next week. going to have a short after show quick little fun fact Uh, someone in the chat was asking about a story that i started reading i'm not sure if it's going to make it in the episode or not we'll see uh but at, at one point our kids were interrupting the show and i started to tell a story and i didn't get to finish it because rachel got back and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna finish it now i'm gonna leave them hanging maybe maybe in the after after show okay We'll Did you want to give your periscope real quick? But yeah, so so what I was what I was gonna say is what you may not know is that every Monday at 7 30 p.m. Central Time, I do a live periscope where I read a a picture book, a storybook. Mm-hmm. I uh, I do the story time with the twins every night. And on Monday nights I record it live. And it's not just this isn't your run of the mill, like, oh, you know, I'm just sitting down and I'm reading a story. I do voices and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. He has to close the the bedroom door because he disturbs me reading yeah. reading to the older boys. Yeah. So so if you want to catch that, you can you can follow me on Periscope at Ben Tolson. It's mm-hmm. this the same as my Twitter handle. In fact, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll get an uh you'll get a notification when I record a live Periscope. And if you happen to miss it, you can also go back and watch it there. All right. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.